You can have a seat. Good morning. Before we get started, I wanted to do the Shema, but do it a little differently. Instead of having you join me today, I still want you to join me in your heart. Um, but just that song, it is well, and um, such a peaceful song. And one of the things that I love about the Shema is that it, it reminds us of the core of our faith. And it's so important to know real briefly what God really cares about. Because sometimes when we start to study about him and try to walk with him and try to do that in community, we can get real myopic or real focused on one thing. And so we have these, these roadmaps that God's given us or this, our story, the story of faith that we're grafted back into where we say, okay, but it all comes back to loving God and loving others. And so as I say this Shema over you, will you kind of just receive it almost as like a, it is well, there is one God. And I get to respond to him with my whole self, but not out of... Um, a need to get it right, but more out of a, I'm part of this family. So Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ahad, hear, O Israel. The Lord is your God, the Lord alone. There is no other. Love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And hear these words from Paul. You have been baptized into one faith, one spirit, one baptism, one resurrection. In him, you move and breathe and have your being. And he has given you all that you need for life and godliness. This is the word of the Lord. So the topic that I was given today is maturity in Christ requires community, discipline. Oh, man, I keep on forgetting the third one. And intention. The scripture is from Ephesians 4, and if you guys will throw it up there, if you guys will stand and read it with me. It's Ephesians 4, and just a little background before we start reading. Verse 1 reminds us where Paul is when he's sending this letter to the new churches. And actually Ephesians, um, and you can read this real easily anywhere online if you look up Ephesians. Um, it's, we're not so sure that it was actually just sent to the Ephesians. Like all these letters, they would have been passed around to the different cities that had the early church in them. And these are groups of people, a lot of them heavily Jews, who have experienced the truth of Yeshua, who follow Yeshua, who would follow him with all their heart. They're all in, but they're trying to figure out what does this look like because we're, we're Jews who follow Yeshua, and now we're grafting in these Gentiles who have no history of faith with God, and we're trying to teach them what the story of God is, who our God is, but at the same time, they don't have to be like us because they're not Jews. So understand that when you're reading this, especially Paul's letters, you're reading something from like this man who's on fire with an ability to bring people to a 
a fullness in their faith and a unity. And so Ephesians was probably passed around to the different churches. And he's really, in chapters 1 through 3, he really is um, reminding people that they really are new creations in Christ. That the, the faith that they have been grafted into is the faith of Jesus. Meaning, they don't have to just figure it out. They have Christ himself. They are new people. So let's read together. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, which with it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Thanks. You may be seated. So as I was asking um, the Lord what, which way to go, because there's so many different ways we could go with this, there's a real simple thing that happened to me. I... I I actually was asleep, and I woke up, and I'd had this dream, and the dream feels like it would be an anxiety-ridden dream, but it really wasn't. I just woke up and was was at peace, and this is what I felt like the Lord said, and when I say that, I don't mean that I heard him say it like an audible voice. I mean the, the next thought in my head. That's how I hear his voice is through thoughts. The next thought in my head was... Uh, you haven't missed it, and tell them that they haven't missed it. So when we're talking about maturity and growing in Christ, I think a lot of us have at least experienced seasons where we feel like, if we really were honest, that we really probably missed it. That, you know, when I was younger, I should have done this more. Or I, 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 didn't, I don't have a knowledge of scripture like some people do. Or I don't, 
I never really got on fire in my faith, whatever that means. Or I, um, you know, I really love Jesus. I want to know him more. But deep down, I think it's common to people that there's like this sense that maybe I'm a fake. Or maybe I've screwed this up too much. Or I'm not the right leader for my family. Or I'm not... You know, I'm, I'm a divided mom. I spend all, all this time over here and all this time over here, and I, I'm losing my mind or whatever. And so then when we come on Sunday morning, and we all have a sense. I mean, church is great, but we all know that this is not an hour on Sunday morning, you know, is not that much. And, and, and then I think we, I, at least for me, I've gone through periods where I'm like, you know, what, what, is, what's, what even is church? You know, if I'm if I'm part of it or, you know, going back personally, if like feeling like I have to muster it up for church. OK, now's the time to connect with God. And um, I think there's a real healthy kind of rebellion to that inside of all of us that goes, no, I just want to I really do want to know him more. And I really do want to walk in a healthy, full of life community. But um, I think that lie pops up a lot like. I don't really even know how to do that. I don't even know, you know, if I can get it right. And and I, I'd i like to um, go back for just a minute to um, the Exodus and just remind you that ours is a faith. And not just the Exodus. I mean, the Exodus is the big story in Scripture of the picture of who our God is. He's a God that even if we were slaves and forgotten him and had become just like the Egyptians in most part, he says, you're mine and I'm calling you into freedom. And you may not even want to come, but I'll move heaven and earth to bring you to a place of life and goodness. And and that's repeated over and over again. Um, you, You see God saying, I'm the faithful one. And even when you're faithless, I will love you. He says to Hosea, go and marry a prostitute. Because this is what I want my people to understand, that even though they prostituted themselves, I love them. And I want them to know that I don't care. Um, one of my favorite scriptures in the New Testament is, um, even when we're faithless, he is faithful. So this morning as we talk about growth and maturity in Christ, the first thing I just want to, and if you have that little voice that's like, yeah, I kind of just miss it. I don't really know. Just take a second and just be honest about that with yourself and recognize that you don't, you don't have like, there's no such thing as just internal communication. So... You, you cannot be separated from the love of Christ. He's with you. He's the faithful one. So whenever you're thinking, you're thinking with him whether you know it or not. Whenever you're walking, you're walking with him whether you know it or not. You're not distant from him. You might feel distant from him. You might feel alone. You might feel like you've missed it, but you're not. So let him just respond to you. Like, first step. Recognizing that wherever I feel that distant thing, I can actually ask him what's true. I feel this, but what's true? 
and then see how he responds. He may respond really quickly. He often does, actually. He may respond through just signs and other people in your life community. So just be open right now to wherever he might be right now, highlighting for you a way of thinking that is really normal, that probably the person next to you thinks that way too. Ask him to to give you his view of it. I have my notes on here, so I may have to do my passcode a few times. Okay, so this dream that I had, I, I it was about this morning, and I was I came to preach, and Daryl was leading worship from a piano. <laughs> I've never seen that, but it could happen. And um, it was real soft, like I couldn't hear him very well. And there were people, you know, filled in. It was actually a different space than this. But um, I got real focused on something with Joel. Like, we, we kind of got into it about something. And I was like, that's weird. And there was, like, this piece of art. And he, he handed it to me. And I could see that it was a really cool piece of art. But there were a couple, like, things that I didn't like the way they were. And so I, I got this hammer out. I know this is funny. And I'm like over on the side and I start trying to get these little pieces that are just stuck in there. And I'm like really trying to get them out. And I'm really focused on it. I'm definitely not hearing the worship. I'm not engaged with anyone. And I I think I got one out. I didn't get very far on it. And I look up and everybody's gone. And it's over. (laughs) And I totally missed it. And That's when there was a little bit more to the dream after that. But I woke up, and I actually was peaceful. It didn't feel like an anxiety, I'm going to miss it dream. But that's when I felt like the Lord said, you're not going to miss it. Um, And people aren't going to miss it. But when we talk about things like um, how to grow in your faith, sometimes what we do is we start um, getting fixated on one little thing. And often it's in ourselves. So, like, this one piece that's, like, on this beautiful work of art that you are, and, and it's, like, it just won't, like, I'm fixated on it. And the reality is, is that it actually isolates us, and it takes us out of community, and it, like, requires all of our focus. And then we look up, and we feel like we've missed it. Where did everybody go? And what did God say? And I wasn't in my spot. I didn't actually even, I was coming, I was excited to share, and I didn't even get to do the thing I was supposed to be called to do. So today, I'm going to encourage you at some point, and as I do this, don't let a voice of guilt be like, oh, you don't have time, or I'm going to encourage you to read Ephesians. If you don't do it, that's okay. (laughs) There's a lot of freedom there. But read Ephesians because Paul's heart is to come to the church and say, you have it all. You may not know this, but your growing in faith comes from a place of having it all. What you're doing as you grow is awakening to who you already are, what you already have, and the fullness of heaven and earth, because they're gods, that has been created. You're you're coming into an awareness of your place in the story of God and everybody. If you're alive and you're breathing, you have a place in the history of God that matters, 
that there's a call on it, as it says in Ephesians 4, and then that it comes with the equipping. A couple weeks ago, um, I had kind of a similar experience. Right before I, I talked, I just woke up in the middle of the night, and the thought in my head was, um, this gospel that you have been called to does not come void of the ability to accomplish its works. I know that's a long sentence. This gospel that you've been called to does not come void of the ability to accomplish its works. So that means for you and me, we aren't just playing. Even though sometimes it feels like it when we just come in to church and we leave church and we, you know, we have these things that stir up in us throughout the week and maybe at church that feel full of love and life and hope and growth because those are earmarks of God, right? He's the maker of those things. And we start leaning into it, but then sometimes this voice that's probably not the voice of the Lord, but it sounds a lot, it's like a hijacked religious voice that says, oh, but you should be reading your Bible, like read the Gospels once a week. And you're not doing that. Oh, but you should, you should know this, and you're not doing that. Oh, and you should be loving better, but you're not. That voice of accusation that then kind of like turns our gaze from the things that we are being drawn into that's life, which would obviously be him because he's full of life. And then we can easily go down a path of, well, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out, and I'm just walking, you know, but I'm not called to ministry. And I go to church, but I'm not the church. And Paul's trying to tell this group of people, um, tell the churches, he's saying two things that are really simple. One, you are a new creation. You're the, you're the pinnacle of creation. And so if there's parts of our, our, our thought patterns or our life that don't line up with that truth that you're God's and that you're loved and that you're, you are full of beauty, that you are a beautiful piece of art. Yeah, you may have little pieces that, that he's like still chiseling, but you are this incredible piece of art. If you're not, if you don't have self-love that comes from him, then you're probably going to spend most of your day, of your thought life around your faith thinking about your own chips and trying to fix those things, especially as you think about growing. And it's going to keep you, there will be beauty produced, but it's going to keep you looking right here as opposed to this, where we realize that our story is one of many, and it's one. In one of the translations of this passage, um, when it's talking about one, one, one faith, it says that we are all one of another. Like, we are one of each other. So, um, I was watching this thing on Maya Angelou after she died, and I love her. And um, one of the things that she was talking about is human capacity. And that the worst things that humans have done you have a capacity for because you're human. And the greatest things that humans have done, like the greatest things, you know, Mother Teresa, amazing inventors, the greatest things you have a capacity for because you're human. And I think that's what Paul's saying too. He's like, 
You're amazing. You're the pinnacle of creation. You have all you need. And then even more so, not only that, not only are you, the faith that you've received, the gospel, what it is, is that you have new life. Regardless, the gospel of grace is that you've done nothing to deserve it, but you have God himself forever. And he cannot separate himself from you because he's so jealous for you. He loves you more than you love yourself. He loves you more than the person who loves you the most loves you. But then Paul shifts. He doesn't just say you're a new creation and you have this like undescribable gift of life with Christ. But then he shifts and he says in chapter 4, um, and if you read commentaries on Ephesians, you'll, you'll see this. It's this shift to not only are you a new creation, but you literally have union with Christ. That means whether you feel equipped or not, whether you feel like you've missed it or not, you have all the resources of Christ himself because he's yoked himself to you. And the Holy Spirit makes that happen. So it's literally like, I'm not just walking with him. That's me holding his hand. I'm not just walking with him. I, I am him. And that can sound a little heretical, but it's not. It's what he came to live for. It's his prayer in John 17. Just as I and you, Father, are one, I want them to be one with you, to be one with you. So then when you're able to, to maybe start to comprehend those things, that, that voice of you've missed it or look at all the areas where you're not is really hushed because it's not so much about what you are or what you aren't or what you're doing or what you're not doing. It's about an awareness and an awakening to what's already in your hands and what it is to not just go to church, but that you are the church. You are, you are the secret plan of God to reveal his love to the world. And so I'm going to close and um, pray. And then I'd love for Amanda, will you come up here for a minute? As I close and pray, I also, one of the ways that God works in and through us as he brings us to maturity is that when we say yes, because a lot of, a lot of maturity is letting him live through us, letting him speak to us, letting him love us so that we start to really think like he thinks. And, and in that, that's the intention part for me. There's an intention of me being aware that he cares and that he's giving me all I need and that he really does want to speak to me about it and he really does want to use me and he already is whether I know it or not. He's that good. He's, he's way kinder to me about me than I am. But as we do that, um, he does, he gives gifts to everybody and he is the greatest gift and he says, you have full access to me. So we all have gifts. And one of those is um, being able to listen and pray and hear what he's saying, his heart for other people. What, what is his heart? How does, you know, because I'm one with him, I'm one with Debbie. And so I get to feel his heartbeat for her, that he's like thrilled by her, that he's thrilled by her spirit, that she thrills him like none other. It's true. So Amanda, every Sunday before we, um, come and gather she's here with sometimes a team sometimes not to just pray 
And um, I actually want to honor her because she spent every day of our women's gathering last week not praying for people or even talking, but just praying. And that was such a gift. But um, they often, the Lord's giving her pictures of what his heart is for us. So um, I'm going to close in prayer, but then I want Amanda just to, to share with you one of the pictures that he, she was getting for all of us this morning. Okay, Father. Thank you that you're the kindest person. That you're actually the most tangible and most loving. Thank you that you've said to us and you will continue to say to us that we haven't missed you. We haven't missed out. And that you will complete the good work you've begun. So in turn, we just say yes. Grow us so that we are not tossed like a wave of the sea. But that we, we are aware of how good you are in making us. And how powerful you are through us. Thank you for giving different gifts to people. I thank you and I ask you to awaken all of us to the unique gifting that you put in us and give us confidence to be, lean into being a little bit more aware that we are the church. We are your love in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Early this morning, I had this picture of this table. And I've seen, I've had this picture before. Um, A lot of times the way the Lord will talk to me is through different images. And um, one time, it was a couple years ago, I was uh, at a place in California worshiping. And I was really in that place where I needed people to sing over me, it is well. And I needed to just sit there and hear it. And uh, the picture in my head was this real dark sky. And I felt like the Lord said, look again. I looked again and I could, the picture in my head, it was like this dark sky, but it really was, um, it wasn't as dark as it actually seemed. It was, you could see through it and in the middle of it was this table. And I instead of running from the storm, I kind of felt this invitation from him to look closer at the table. So in my mind, I'm thinking with him, I just go towards that table, and it's set with um, the most beautiful silver. But it's kind of like a picnic table. It was was totally my kind of table. It was a picnic table, but then with a tablecloth and this really pretty, tasteful table setting. And there was um, steak, which if you know me, you know that's my favorite food. I'm looking at my dad because of him. Um, macaroni and cheese, my comfort food. And Andy's mints, which I never eat, but I love them. 
And so it was so sweet of the Lord to show me this picture of something that so was not on my radar of Andy's mitts. And in my head was this invitation to a feast in the middle of what felt like a big storm for me. So this morning, um, when I woke up, the picture in my head was a table, and it reminded me of that table. And there was a seat for everyone at the table. And it was a feasting table. And the, the words that were rolling across my mind were, it's, there's, it's full of good things. And then I'm hearing um, different teachers in our community's voice in my head, one being Daryl, who talks about the story of God and his people centers around the feast. Why would we go and reclaim some of this faith, the Jewish faith that we've been grafted into? Why would we go and do some of those traditions? Not for tradition's sake, but because since the beginning of time, God has been weaving this amazing story through his people. He always interacts through his people, with his people, intimately teaching us about him and about ourselves. The narrative never excludes us. And early on, he said, this is what I really am going to command you to do. And it's celebrate my goodness. Celebrate at Passover that I am the God who came to you when you were a slave people. When you started to look a lot more like the Egyptians than you did like me. And I said, even if you're comfortable here, there's a promised land over here. I'm the God who moved heaven and earth to set you free in the physical To show you what the truth is in the spiritual and the physical. That I am the God who is faithful. I have good things. And I will bring you to a place of freedom. And I'm not leaving anybody behind. You might choose to stay behind. But even then, I make a way for you. So when we read these books that are thick in in the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy... If we just focus on little things, it can seem nitpicky, but the, the overarching story is of a God who cares so much about his people that he would go to any length to bring them to freedom. And, and then we also learn that worship looks like the feast. Worship looks like the table. And you have a seat at the table. So this morning, as, um, as I teach, I'm just going to pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would... Release that invitation for each and every one, from the littlest baby in here to my kiddos right here to the oldest, that you've given them an invitation to come to a table and to eat good things from your heart. And that growth and life with Christ is fully accessible. It's a full meal deal gift. So come, Holy Spirit, and teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. I just got a text from Ellen Dixon about their baby. Yay. Y'all know Matt, who runs our sound. We might have already said this, but thank you, God, for the new baby that was born this morning. Okay, if you will stand... And I'll warn you, it's a little long, and they told me I better go slower this time. I read fast. But we're going to read the scripture for this morning. 
It's from Ephesians, and we know that Ephesians probably wasn't just written specifically only to the Ephesians, but in this day and age, Paul's letters were being passed around to the early church. So one church would, in one city would read it and digest it and talk about it and wrestle with it and then pass it on to the next one. So this is to the early church. And remember that the people that Paul's speaking to are a lot of primarily Jews who follow Yeshua. That's the early church. And then they're also dealing with this um, this new issue of Jesus blowing the doors open and saying, I'm grafting all in. So now they're dealing with Gentiles who don't have necessarily the tradition and the stories of knowing who God is and who his people are. And now they're being told, you're part of his people. The gates have been swung open wide. So keep that in the background of your mind. And then we're starting in chapter 4. So the first four cha- or first three chapters are a lot about who you are in Christ, that you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Okay, read with me. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord... Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call one Lord, one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying, he ascended, what does it mean? but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Claire, will you put up the slide before the last slide? Yeah, perfect. So um, this other picture that I had this morning, I didn't share this with the first group at all, but I feel like I should with you guys, was this picture of um, all of us and that there's things on all of our shoulders. 
And that's true in life. I mean, there's things that we all carry that are uniquely on your shoulders. And the things probably that are on my shoulders are not quite the same as they're on, on yours. And I just, the picture in my head was literally like there was things on people's shoulders. And, and what the Lord really wanted to do for all of us was just stand us up under it. And that it wouldn't be a burden. Especially not our call. Especially not maturity in Christ. I love the scripture. Because we've been hearing from Paul and in a lot of the other letters, he just, this is the point he's driving home. Yes, he talks about what a sinful man he was. But he says it to put in juxtaposition with the one message that you can really put on Paul, that we are new. We are new creations. We're, we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do works that he prepared in advance for us to do. And I think that um, the topic for this morning is maturing in Christ requires discipline, intention, and community. And sometimes, especially if you've come out of a church background, you know, institutional church background, we, those things can feel a little burdensome. And there are times when you feel like you're really growing and walking and whatever language you want to put on that, maturing. And then there's other times where we feel like maybe we've really kind of missed it. And that, you know, we shouldn't miss it, but God, we've kind of missed it. We're behind and I don't, you know, I don't study scripture enough. I don't worship enough. I don't, you know, I've got so much else going on in my life. I've got my family. And and we kind of disqualify ourselves. And then there's other times maybe when we're gung-ho trying to qualify ourselves. And what you see right here in Paul is that he's saying again and again, You have maturity in Christ. You are a new creation. All that you need for walking this life out, you have. So growing is awakening to it. Growing is is like swimming into it, you know, like exploring it. And for Paul, that would never have been done outside a community, not ever, because he's a great Jew. And you you wrestle with things in Judaism. You argue with each other. And it doesn't mean that you're breaking faith or that you have doubt. It means that you're willing, you care about it enough to say, hey, I don't know about this. And when you say that, tell me more about that. Or I, I think this, or I've experienced this, that that's a really healthy dialogue for people who are faithful to have. Because the question isn't, are you a believer? You're not wrestling with that. The question, the, it's, it's a foregone conclusion that you are after God. You are in God's family. So Paul wrestles with it. We see him. He's like, who is this Jesus? Because he cares. He cares that the name of God is honored. He really cares. Well, and then he meets him on a road, and he knows who Jesus is. So fast forward to today, we... We, come, we were born in a generation that was not nearly like the early church. In the early church, these guys, they're not wondering if God heals. They know God heals. Probably half of them were healed by Jesus or by a follower of Jesus. And they saw the power of God. So they want to know, okay, I see this power. 
Who is this Jesus? They're not wrestling with um, questions of do I have faith or not. They know they have faith, but they want to know what their faith is made of. And so Paul is saying, let me tell you, when you come into this faith, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to become something great. You are something great. And when you come into this family, if you're being grafted into this family, he's saying, everything that we have is yours. So like any good follower, he's, he's saying of Christ, you get to stand in the full stature of Christ. You are not a child tossed to and fro in your faith. You are not carried away even by your own thoughts in your mind about yourself. You, and he, I love that he adds speaking the truth in love, because how powerful are our words over one another. He says, we are growing up every way into him who is the head. So as we talk about growing in our faith, um, I want to go back to this little voice sometimes that we all maybe feel of that we've missed it, or that we don't quite get it, or that we're trying hard, but maybe we didn't do enough. Um, last night I had a, a dream, and it was it, I, I've had you know anxious dreams where you wake up and you're like, oh, that just kind of came out of my subconscious or whatever, and that was anxious. This is not anxious at all. It was actually really peaceful, but the dream seems like it should have made me anxious. But um, right afterwards, I asked the Lord about it, and he, he, I've never heard him audibly speak, but he always speaks to me in my thoughts. It sounds like me, but right afterwards. And um, I heard him say, you haven't missed it. And it's important to tell people this morning that they haven't missed it. And that that's the foundation for growth in Christ. So here was the dream. Um, I came in to church this morning, but it was a different, wasn't nearly as big. And Daryl was leading worship from a piano. And I... I was, you know, preparing. I was ready. I was excited to speak. And Joel and I kind of got into it about something. Like, it was real weird. Like, not our normal. Claire's waving to me. <laughs> and I, because of Joel and I kind of getting into it, my focus was totally on this thing that we were talking about. And I, like, had took it from him. And it was, like, this piece of art. And it was really cool. And I thought that it was cool, but there were these few little pieces on the side that I thought were not supposed to be there. Like, those are not, those make this artwork ugly. So I started, like, hammering on those pieces. Like, this little mallet on this one little thing. I can see it in my head. It was, like, really futile. But it took all my attention. So I'm not over here. I'm not out here. I'm over in the corner over here hammering on this thing. And I kind of can't hear the worship music. And I'm thinking in my head, I want to worship, but I'm working on this thing. And I can't even hear it very well. So I think I got one piece out. I can't really remember. But I look up, and everyone's gone. And the service is over. And everybody's out of the room. And there was a little bit more to the dream. But um, the reality is that I think often in our, our faith journey, as we are thinking about our own growth, we can easily take a, a look and an assessment of a, of a piece of art, which is ourselves, that God made, 
And we can take this one little piece over here that might feel like a splinter or something that's off, and we just start hammering on it. And it's our hammer that we're going like this. And before we know it, we look up, and because our visions become on that, we actually feel isolated and like we've missed it. We've missed the communal worship gathering. And as soon as I woke up, that was, I felt like the Lord said, uh, you won't miss it, you haven't missed it, and they haven't missed it. So I really want um, today to pray for all of us, for insight beyond what you have for each of us into three things. The first one, that you've been called to a faith that comes equipped. You haven't been called to a faith where you have to equip yourself. It doesn't mean you don't go on a journey of equipping, but it means that there's, it's the gospel of grace. With it comes everything necessary for its works. And that you've been called to it because here's the mystery of the gospel that Paul's going to talk about in the next chapters. You are the church. This is not church. This is a gathering of the church, and it's amazing, but it's one hour on a Sunday. And it's not, you don't go to church, and you don't leave church because you can't leave it. It's you. So I'm going to pray for an awakening in all of us in a deeper way that you haven't missed it, number one. That the call on your life comes fully equipped and and you're gonna learn and you're gonna he's gonna teach you you have the best tutor in the world the holy spirit and that he's called you to jesus says do greater things than he did that that's really your life and that he wants it more than you do scripture says when we are faithless he's faithful That he wants you being fully alive, fully free, fully awakened to love more and more in greater measure for the rest of your days. That that's your destiny. That's the destiny of your faith. That's the place you stand. So when you were born, you are a beautiful masterpiece. And you breathed in the breath that could only come from God. You've never been without him. Scripture says nothing, neither height, nor depth, nor angels, nor demons, nor principalities, nor um, things to come, nor, and I'm butchering it a little bit, but the powers of hell can't separate you from the love of Christ. And so right now and your whole life, you've never been separated from his love. And it is his love that will awaken you in maturing. So as you go to want to grow, let me encourage you. That your yes and you resting in the fact that he will provide all you need and he already has is a great foundation. And I want to pray this third thing for us this morning that um, we really do become like little children who are not afraid to learn and not afraid to fail in our faith and in our growth. And those things are part of life. We, We don't separate faith from life. Your life is faith. You are called. You are chosen. Each and every one. So, Father, will you come right now and just highlight any misconception that we have about ourselves? 
and remind us, just like Paul reminded the early church, that they are new in you and that they have all they need. And not only do they have it, you say we're one with Christ, that we are in him, so they are it. That we are the great mystery of the gospel, that Christ alive in us, the hope of glory. Will you rewire the way we think? Will you lift our shoulders, lift our um, posture for the things that you put on our shoulders and the things that are on our shoulders that aren't things you put there? We just give them to you. And the actual call on our life, the good.